This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Episode 52 The Hill Abduction In the age of soft disclosure, UFO sightings and alien abductions are almost common occurrences and happen worldwide. Many experienced strange occurrences and minor blips are lost sections of time and often dismiss it. Additionally, many have also looked up at the starry night sky and seen a light and question if it was indeed a star or possibly something more. However, that wasn't always the case. As with all stories and events, they are the ones before it that influence how situations are perceived and handled going forward. This is one such case. As the summer was nearing its end, Barney and Betty Hill had decided to take a short vacation to Montreal and visit Niagara Falls on their way home. They returned a few days later. On the night of September 19, 1961, the couple was traveling down U.S. Route 3. It was particularly warm as the moon reflected off the highway. Betty had her hand rested on Barney's leg as she smiled at him, enjoying the night air as it passed through their 1957 Chevrolet Bel Air. At roughly 10.30 p.m., the couple were approaching New Hampshire town, Indian Head, when Betty spotted an unusual bright light in the sky. She originally assumed it could maybe be a planet or a star, but quickly changed her mind after its movement. The light seemed to move closer and became bigger and brighter and would go in and out of view. Barney eventually pulled over so they could get out of the car to get a better look at it. They brought along their dog, Delcy, a dash hound, and called for her to get out of the car as well. They exited the vehicle with a pair of binoculars, and each took turns walking Delcy while the other stared at the flying object through the binoculars. It was at this time that Betty assumed what she was seeing was possibly a UFO. It was an odd-shaped craft with strange, multicolored pattern of lights. She had heard of UFOs recently, and it appeared similar to other depictions of what people have said they looked like. Barney then grabbed the binoculars and peered through them at the object. 
His initial thought was that it was a satellite. However, satellites weren't known to move in the way the object did. He then considered the possibility of it being an airplane. However, it started to zip around and came closer to them. This concerned him. He feared the thought that whoever was in the plane may have been watching them. The couple then returned to their car and drove away quickly, continuing to watch the object as it came closer. They drove a while longer as the object kept up with their every movement. Barney stopped the car in the middle of the highway as the craft hovered about 90 feet above the road ahead of them. Barney then grabbed their pistol and exited the vehicle. He then peered back at the object through the binoculars. This time, he could see inside the windows of the craft. He was able to make out eight to ten humanoid figures staring back at him. At this time, Barney felt one of the figures communicate with him and send him a message, telling him, Stay where you are and continue looking. At that moment, a long, telescopic, tubular object descended from the bottom of the craft. Barney quickly returned to the car, yelling to Betty, They're going to capture us! He then put the car in drive and took off as quickly as he could to escape the grasp the saucer-shaped object had on them. Betty continued watching the object out the window. The couple then heard what sounded like humming, and a series of robotic beeping sounds coming from the craft. At that moment, the car started vibrating. Before they knew it, they were entranced, and found themselves no longer in control. When they came to, they were alarmed to discover that they had traveled nearly 35 miles with no recollection of doing so. The only thing that they could remember or recall was making an unplanned turn onto a dirt road where they saw a very large, bright, fiery orb. Not knowing what to make of this, the couple finished their trip back to their home in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. After returning home, the couple started to experience strange impulses and observations. Barney conducted a thorough examination of his genitals. Something made him concerned for this specific area of his body, almost as if it had been tampered with. The couple also took extremely long showers, trying to wash off any radiation or chemicals from their bodies, although they didn't know why they were concerned by this. Barney noticed the strap to the binoculars was broken. Additionally, the tops of his shoes were scuffed and torn. Betty also noticed her dress had been torn, and it seemed to have some powdered substance on it that blew away when she went to hang it up. They found a set of concentric circles on the hood of their car that, when using a compass near them, would react strangely. The needle would spin around very quickly, 
never being able to pinpoint their location. The couple attempted to recreate the timeline of the events that night. When doing so, they would start to hear buzzing sounds, and their memories became fuzzy and out of focus. The following day, Betty contacted the Air Force to tell them her story, leaving out minor bits and pieces of it. Major Paul Henderson said they probably mistook the planet Jupiter for a UFO. Although Betty found the explanation to be the most rational possibility, she was still convinced that was not the case. Ten days after the incident, Betty started to experience a series of dreams that lasted over a period of five nights. Her dreams were extremely vivid. She was able to recount the events that took place on that night in September. According to her dreams, the couple had pulled off onto a dirt road and ran into a roadblock. They were then forced to get out of the car and were escorted into the woods by what appeared to be two men. They stood roughly four to five and a half feet tall, gray in color, with black hair, small noses, and blue lips. They were dressed in blue uniforms and wore caps similar to those worn in the military. Betty looked over at Barney and was able to see that he appeared to be sleepwalking. After walking a short distance, they arrived at a disc-shaped craft that appeared to be metallic or made of aluminum. The men escorted them inside, and each were taken to separate examination rooms. Betty was met by someone she referred to as the leader. She expressed her concern for being separated from Barney. However, the leader proceeded to tell her that it would take too long if they were examined together, and would be much faster to do so individually. She was surprised to find that he spoke perfect English. After meeting the leader, Betty was then introduced to the examiner. Although the man was much more difficult to understand as the examiner's English wasn't nearly as good as the leader, she felt that he was more calm and pleasant, and this helped to calm her down. After placing Betty on the exam table, the man attempted to remove her dress. However, due to not knowing how to work the zipper, Betty's dress ended up getting torn in the process as she jerked away. The examiner then conducted multiple examinations of the different parts of her body, including eyes, ears, hands, arms, legs, and teeth. He collected trimmings of her fingernails and scraped at her skin with a dull knife onto what appeared to be cellophane. The examiner then took out what appeared to be an extremely long needle. Betty immediately pulled away as the examiner told her to remain still and inserted the needle into her navel. She immediately cried out in pain. 
The leader walked up to her and raised his hand and waved it in her face. In an instant, the pain was gone and she felt at ease. After the examiner completed his tasks, he left the room, leaving Betty alone with the leader. They spoke for a long period of time, discussing Betty and her life. They appeared to be very interested in her. Betty then asked him why they had stuck the needle into her navel. The man responded by saying that it was merely a pregnancy test. After that, the leader handed her a book and told her she could take it home with her. It appeared to contain rows of strange circles and odd text and symbols. Betty then proceeded to ask the leader where he was from. He then displayed a map that contained multiple star systems. After they completed their conversation, Betty and Barney were escorted back to their vehicle. As they were almost there, the other beings, or men, started arguing amongst each other. The leader then approached Betty and told her she wouldn't be able to keep the book he had given her. They felt it would be better if they didn't remember what had happened that night. However, Betty told him that regardless of what they did to rid her of her memories, one day she would remember. After entering the vehicle, the leader instructed them to wait till after the craft had left. The couple sat in their car till the craft was out of sight, and then drove home. In the following days, Betty went to the local library and checked out a book that discussed UFOs, an unidentified aerial phenomenon. She then wrote a letter to the author of the book describing some of the events she had dreamt about and the fact that she had been considering hypnosis to help her remember. The man was part of a civilian UFO research group titled National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomenon, or NICAP. He then referred them to a man named Walter Webb, an astronomer and fellow member of NICAP. On October 21, 1961, Walter Webb conducted a six-hour-long interview with Betty and Barney Hill. In his opinion, he felt the couple were telling the truth. After further consideration, he felt the details of what occurred did in fact happen, save for a few minor details such as size of specific objects, distance and height, and the exact time the events took place. On November 25, 1961, the couple was interviewed by two additional members of NICAP. Regardless of the interest in their story from members of NICAP, Betty and Barney Hill chose not to go public with their story. On November 23, 1962, the Hills attended a meeting at the parsonage of their church, where there was a guest speaker, Captain Ben H. Sweat of the United States Air Force. Having had an interest in hypnosis, the Hills approached Sweat privately and related their strange encounter. 
Sweat was particularly interested in the missing time of the Hill's account. They asked if he would hypnotize them to recover their memories, but Sweat declined and cautioned them against going to an amateur hypnotist such as himself. They eventually decided it was time to tell their story on March 3rd, 1963. In the meantime, they would travel back to the mountainous area where they had the strange experience, looking for as many clues as they could gather to piece the events together. In January of 1964, the couple underwent their first session of hypnotic regression, led by Benjamin Simon. Simon was a well-respected mental health professional whom had served as a lieutenant colonel in the U.S. Army during World War II. Additionally, Simon did not believe in aliens or UFOs, nor did he believe the Hill story. However, he agreed to treat Barney because he was concerned he may have dissociative amnesia. During each hypnosis session, more and more memories surfaced. Simon would go on to perform several sessions, hypnotizing Barney and Betty several times each, lasting till June 6, 1964. After each session, Simon would reinstate amnesia in the couple. During Barney's sessions, he stated that he was frightened during the encounter and kept his eyes closed as much as possible. He also stated that the strap on the camera had broken when he was running from the UFO. Barney went on to say that he felt compelled to drive into the woods. There was something forcing his attention to the area. When he reached an area in the forest, he was met by six figures, or men. They seemed to affect his thoughts. From there, he stated that he was then escorted to the disc-shaped craft where he was separated from Betty and taken into an examination room and positioned on a table. During the exam, they seemed mostly focused on his genitals and his anus. The men or beings also communicated with him telepathically as their lips never once moved or even pursed. Betty's sessions were quite similar to the series of dreams she started having just 10 days after the original encounter. However, some details were slightly different or changed altogether. She then recounted the map the leader had shown her. It was a three-dimensional map focused on the Zeta Reticuli binary star system. Betty was then given a post-hypnotic suggestion to recreate the star map. The map that she drew consisted of 12 prominent stars, all connected by lines, and three smaller stars that appeared to form a triangular shape. Following the hypnosis sessions, Benjamin Simon's medical opinion was that he felt Barney's memories were nothing more than a fantasy fabricated and inspired by Betty's dreams. However, he did feel they had seen something that caused them distress 
and anxiety. Barney wasn't pleased with the diagnosis, as by this time he was fully convinced he had been abducted by aliens. Despite his frustration, both Barney and Betty were relieved to find their anxiety had started to decrease after the series of hypnosis sessions. After that, they decided to return to their normal lives, feeling much better and more at peace with what they had experienced. They would occasionally meet with UFO researchers and discuss the events with their family, but they never sought fame or recognition. It wasn't long, however, for their story to eventually become nationally known. The events discussed by Barney and Betty Hill were eventually turned into a book titled The Interrupted Journey and did surprisingly well. Unfortunately, on February 25th, 1969, Barney Hill passed away at the age of 46 due to a cerebral hemorrhage, leaving Betty to go on to tell their story in his absence. Betty Hill became more and more famous as their stories went on to achieve worldwide recognition for detailing one of the very first encounters of its kind. Betty would continue to go on record, discussing many of the UFOs she had witnessed for many years. Sadly, Betty passed away on October 17, 2004, at the age of 85. Many have speculated the authenticity of the Hill story and continue to do so today. In a time where UFOs were still considered to be mostly science fiction, the story is often referred to as a hoax. Fabricated due to the general time period and the lack of racial equality, given Barney and Betty Hill were in an interracial relationship before it was legal in many areas. Despite the unconventional nature of the story and the sparse evidence, one can agree that the couple experienced something on that fateful night in 1961. Welcome campers to Campfire, Tales of the Strange, and Unsettling. We are your hosts, I am Ryan. And I am Jordan. And now an ad break. Hey guys, if you're hanging on every spooky word from Jordan and Ryan, I've got a recommendation for you. My name's Elliot Gates, the host of the Anthology of Heroes podcast. Every episode, I share the tales of those who left their mark on our world. Far from the dry, dull speeches of politicians you were forced to memorize in school, I'm serving up drama, action, tragedy, and triumph. Through knife-edge victories, defiant last stands, and doomed final speeches, you'll learn about some of the lives of the most fascinating individuals ever to walk the earth. Like the story of Khalid ibn al-Walid, a pagan merchant who went on to lead the armies of the Prophet, or skipping a few centuries forward to the tiny island of Malta, where a 72-year-old crusader held the line with 600 knights against 40,000 Ottoman invaders in what's remembered as the greatest siege of all time. While up in Wales, Owen Glendore threw off the shackles of English oppression, rose up against the tyrannical king and led the Welsh in their greatest rebellion in history. All these stories and so many more are available right now on the Anthology of Heroes podcast. Tune in on all podcasting platforms and on Instagram. 
My name's Elliot Gates, and I hope to see you there. And now, the debrief. Dude, sweet. This is a this is like a heavy hitter. So I had to do I had to do this one, and I know, like, man, there's just so much that. I could have also added to this, but just because it's such like a very dense subject. Yeah. Um, but it was it was a necessary one because I mean this marks our fifty second episode yeah. of the show. Like this is this a is the big one. Year of episodes. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and this is a very like I mean this this is the one one of the ones that started it all. Yeah. You know, like it, I I can't say it's the very first because there was also that like. That farmer case that was uh, just actually right before the Betty and Barney Hill one. Yeah. Um, I can't remember the guy's name, but it doesn't matter. Uh, we're not talking about that today. But <laughs> <Right>. still, <laughs> you know, like no, but like the the this this abduction kind of it was the the match that lit the modern UFO. Craze. Oh yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. Yeah, I, I mean, okay. So, first off, before I go to my rant, because I, I have a bit of a rant that, I need, that I'm going to need to get to yeah. before we get started. I mean, um, <laughs> I think everyone that's familiar with this case has some form of a rant, some yeah. way or another at least. I'm sure. Um, but before I get to that, I just want to say, happy summer solstice. Because that's today. Oh, all right. The 21st. Yeah, 21st. Yeah. Yeah longest day of the year you know so everybody go light some orange candles make a big batch of sun tea have a bonfire that's what you're supposed to do jump in a pile of leaves yeah dude eat some dirt do it you know do whatever you need to yeah yeah run in a forest frolic in a you know corn field exactly go preferably like a some natural field okay no, yeah right yeah of course of course field, you know go become one with your local fireflies right <laughs> i don't think so actually <laughs> That's what I'm... still you know just do some nature yeah. shit exactly do some nature shit today there you go you have like se- like 17 hours of daylight to do it in, <laughs> so do it oh man that's crazy actually i didn't even think about that until you until you said something so yeah all right. Yeah, it's a big deal. Well, I'm going to enjoy my last day of freedom for, you know, <laughs> yeah. next week. Exactly. By mowing my yard. Dude, it's going to be 98 degrees. Oh, man, I know. Today. Like, it's it's supposed to be just gnarly as crap, dude. Like, yeah. I know, like, last week we had, what was it, last week, right? We had our that pretty gnarly that heat, heat wave. Advisory. Yeah. And yeah. now, like, we're, yeah, we're reaching, like, 100 degrees, and it's... I know even then it was like, yeah, it's like 99, 90-something, but it feels like it's like 100 and, you know, a million. Yeah. And we're going to have even that plus some, so... Yeah. I'm not looking forward to it. Yeah, I wouldn't. I plan to stay in the air, and then think about all you guys out there in nature. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so, okay. My rant. All right, let's hear it. Okay, so I usually hate hypnosis cases. We, like, we've talked about that I, a few times, yes. I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Like, and that's because of, like, the work of, like, grifters and con men, like Bud Hopkins yeah. and all those dudes. 
who basically like stained hypnotic regression and like made all of ufology look bad. I mean, because the shit that they did, they work it to their favor and like coax yeah. all these things out of these people. Exactly. Right. They used hypnosis as a tool to like fuck with people and their experiences. Yeah. To make it fit their narrative. Yeah, it's it's extremely unfortunate. Yeah. I agree. So like I generally when I when I read a story that has hypnosis in it, um, you know, I'm a little reticent about taking it seriously. But this isn't one of those cases. No. I honestly think this one stands apart from most of them. Like I have the book that you mentioned in the story, The Interrupted Journey. Yeah. Um, and that's written by... Um, it. It's written a guy from... And the, and the hypnotist. And, right. And Benjamin yeah. Simon. Yeah. It's written from yeah. the actual sessions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, they make it very clear in the book that their intentions have nothing to do with the extraterrestrial hypothesis. I mean, because like, even Benjamin Simon himself didn't even believe it. Yeah, exactly. So, like, I feel like in this one, the the hypnotherapist, the hypnotist, whatever you want to call him, his primary goal was to help them. Like, to help them regain some control over what happened to them. Yeah, I, I think so, too. And, I mean, in his one of his biggest things was, especially Barney, you know, he served in World War... I think, yeah, he was in World War II. II. Um, yeah. He was honorably discharged, you know, like, he did his time and everything. But, like, he believed that he suffered from dissociative amnesia. Yeah. And so, like, I mean, yeah, it was it was that immediate thing. Like, he felt like he, it was his obligation to help, you know, help this man, right? Yeah. And then also Betty was part of that, of course. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, I, I get that. I get that for sure. And that kind of being, yeah. like, the approach that he was taking in that case. Yeah, so I think about this case differently than, than a lot of them. Um... I will say the book is really enjoyable, but it's like fair warning because it's chock full of 1960s, like thinly veiled racism. Yeah. I mean, like they're constantly referring to them as like an improbable couple, you know, instead of just coming right out and saying that they're an interracial couple. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Which I mean that I think that's silly. Um, Yeah. But like, you know, I, I know obviously at that time period. You know, like the cords were stacked against them tremendously. Yeah. But they Socially, also sure. they lived in New Hampshire, which was like one of the only states that didn't have a law on interracial marriages and things like that. Yep. Um, you know, when everybody else did. And then they were yeah. also like, especially Barney was really like well in, you know, but like he was he was a big name in the community. Like yeah. he was even like invited to like a lot of like big national things and I mean, you know, him and uh, Betty, like, did a lot of really cool things for, yeah, like, true. that community, for sure. And yeah. so... I know, like, like... I know one of the things I wrote down in my notes was, like, people, when they talk about this case, they really focus in on the fact that they were an interracial couple in right. the 60s and all the stress that came with that and all that. But, like, like you mentioned, they were in New Hampshire... And they even talk about, like, Betty talks about in her journals, she talks about how they had, like, a super supportive community. Oh, they and did. It was never, yeah. And that it was never a big issue for them. Like, they were accepted by their community. I, I was trying to think of the, was it Lyndon Johnson or something like that? Like, the like they were invited, like, the inauguration. 
yeah. Barney was. You know, I and I might be incorrect in you know the specific person, but still, like I'm pretty sure. Um, but no, I mean that's that's huge. Like just yeah, you know, thinking of of him being that much into like into this being that much more of like a recognized figure. You know, I yep. mean they weren't. You know, I I can't say that they didn't experience any of that. I mean, obviously, yeah, as an interracial course. couple, yeah. they're gonna you know they're gonna experience something. Like there's yeah. gonna be some idiots out there that you know are extremely yep. close-minded or whatever that are gonna think that that's wrong and that's stupid. But like, still, that yeah. that's just the nature of of the world, you know? Sure. But yeah, I mean regardless of the time period like they did very well for where they were and who they were yeah of course what what i think doesn't get focused on enough because of because people focus on that so much is like how reliable a witness each of them make because that they're you bring both you bring up a very good point (laughs) yeah they're both like well educated, they're universally mm-hmm. loved, they're respected public servants. Like Betty herself is extremely strong willed. She's yep. very much a go getter. Barney is He's a go getter to an extent, but he's also he's a little more laid back. He's more I mean, laid he's back. Been to he war. suffers from he, he anxiety, depression, <laughs> yeah. you know, in minor cases, paranoia. Um, you know, so like there's going to be little bits of that, but I feel like Betty as a person who she was, I felt like she complimented him and he probably complimented her, you know, like in those different aspects of their personalities. Right. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they both had like respected positions in the community, right? Yeah. They both like, they volunteered at like, um, food pantries they were pro- they were both project managers for the NAACP right and like she was a social worker well like yeah. working with all of that and you know I mean I I think I had read somewhere like he had wanted to become an engineer but at that point like due to of course stupid racial inequality yeah. like he couldn't do so he so he became like a postal worker and like he was very yeah. he loved what he did yeah. You know, and he also drove an hour to work every single day to do so. Like, yeah, dude, that's, that's crazy. Right. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I just think about, like, all these things that are, like, even though, like, they might not, might not have had, like, such, you know, such, like, hefty cards stacked against them, they still did. Like, they still yeah, did quite, quite a bit. Right. Yeah. I mean, I have friends that are in interracial couples now that still deal with bullshit in 2022 there's no way that they i don't understand how that's still uh, how that's still a thing right i know it's baffling i don't (sighs) yeah but that's i mean that all that does i guess have have to do with like what we're talking about so yeah it's you know i i just don't understand how like in today's in today's world where we've become very politically correct and yep. like the fact that like we've made that movement such such like massive awesome strides towards that that, that people like still like there's still yeah. racial inequality like there's gender inequality like all that that like sure. that's still like just yeah that's still a thing and it's unfortunate. I mean, there's there's always the other end of the spectrum, right? And it's so easy, especially now, to be like stuck in your at your end of the spectrum, and you don't realize how many. How many people are on the other end? Right. You know what I mean? I'm always mm-hmm. shocked to like 
I don't know, we'll just be standing in line somewhere and you hear some asshole say something ridiculous and you're like, where do these people come from? <laughs> Dude, you I... You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I know I know that 100%. And like yeah. even people that you find that you're relatively close to, they oh. have extremely narrow-minded ways of thinking that you had no idea. Like, yeah, it's, it's yep. such... I, yeah, it's such a bummer and like a disappointment. I agree. And it sucks to also feel that way and be disappointed in people like you, you know, that like you admire and like you love everything else sure. that they do, but like they have the shitty ass way of thinking. Yeah. So yeah, it it is a thing. I I you know, it is yeah. still still very much a thing. It just sucks. Sucks. All that, that to say, like they definitely dealt with some shit right. in the 60s. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. No matter where they lived, they definitely dealt with some shit. Yeah. Without um, a doubt. The fact that Barney couldn't pursue the career he wanted to because he was black. Like, See, just that puts a whole slant on your life. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and just, just imagine if they would have, like, been like, yeah, you know, come on. Like, the cool shit that he could have done. Or, you know, right? like, even anybody yeah. else, like, at that yep. time period. You yeah, know, like how many, how many millions of brilliant minds were lost, just the, thrown like, to the side because yeah. of you know the color of their yeah. skin. Like, yeah, it, yeah, it's wild. It really is. Okay, so another thing I wanted to mention before, because I assume we'll kind of walk through the through the story, but like the um. Okay, so a, with this case, a lot of people who support them always say like they wanted nothing to do with fame or recognition right right and then the skeptics always reply then why do we know so much about it why like why was all this information released if they so wanted to stay hidden that's right? a good question yeah for sure for sure which i mean and, there there is an answer to that but yeah keep going keep going yeah and there's a thing that happened right after they right after they got when they started doing the hypnosis right which is uh, like a local paper got a hold of their story right Right. essentially their story was leaked quote unquote to an extent (laughs) yeah and like it was it they this paper in boston basically went on like a smear campaign the Mm -hmm. articles are like you know calling barney like a crazed sex pervert and like all this like crazy shit I mean, of course, and, like it's it's like tabloids at that time, right? Yeah. 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 So basically they decided they needed to take control of the narrative. And that's when they started like actually telling their story. Right. Yep. And that was like March of 1963 or something, right? Right. Yeah. Yep. But like because at that point they had no choice but to because before yeah. that they had told a handful of people. Yeah. You know, and a couple close friends, exactly, including um, uh, Webb, a couple uh, ufologists, exactly. You know, so but see, I I understand that, and like that's also what I think about because yeah, I've I've questioned the same thing. Like, you know, their story became so known very very quickly. Yeah, but also you have it being smeared. You have this like all these random un like you know unrelated un- incorrect facts being thrown out like slurs and all this other stuff that yeah. drew that much more attention to it yeah right so of course it caught on extremely fast yep 
So, so I mean, you got to look at it like that. Like, yeah, they, they weren't trying to seek fame. I mean, look at how long it, this happened in 61, September of 61. Yeah. Over a two-day period of, you know, a few hours. And they didn't even agree to go, like, national or even, like, just public with their story until March of 63. And it was because yeah. that happened that they finally yeah. did. Yep. Like, that tells me, like, they weren't, like, trying to, you know, they weren't trying to just be like, yeah, you know, this is going to be a way for us to whatever. But, yeah, I agree with that for sure. I I get that feeling a lot because, like, basically once they, even before the the hypnosis, right, like a couple days after it happens, they report everything to the Air Force Base, right, which a lot of people also who don't understand the time period will say, like, well, that's weird, isn't it? That they like contacted, but that was standard protocol. If you saw right. I mean, th- anything in the sky, this was, was Cold War times. There was there was a plan. I can't remember the exact plan, and I, I wish I would have noted it down. That Barney kept saying that it was. Of course, I mean he served in the military. Yeah, um, I want to say it's like a pineback plane or something like that. Whatever. It's like this yeah. little tiny plane at the time that was from the forties to like late sixties, early seventies, whatever. Yeah. That this was like you know, a pretty popular thing, but it was a very small plane. And that's what I mean. After like, you know, the thought of like it being a satellite, he's like, Oh no, that's what it is. Like, you know, that's, yeah. that's what it appeared to as him, you know, to him, like, like that's what he immediately assumed. So of course, like, you know, there's going to be like that, like little, like, well, maybe it could be this, maybe it could be that, maybe it could be a satellite, maybe it could whatever else. And yeah. then also they have like this thought of like, no, this thing like almost seemed like it was watching them, chasing them. So yeah, I would think like the Air Force would probably be the best people to contact, right? Right. But also at the time, if you saw anything weird in the sky, that's who you reported it to. Because yeah, and that's this fair. is like right. 61 is like prime Cold War. Like, if you saw something in the sky, you were trained to assume it yeah. was Soviet. It was Soviet. Yeah, I mean, because it was right after this time that like they even said that like even were in talks of like nuclear weapons and stuff like that um oh yeah of launching launching them like and this was yeah. like right after the story so i mean yeah they're like literally prime time for you know stuff like that so yeah i mean yeah, i mean that this is like this is just about a year on the dot before the cuban missile crisis yeah. like this is this is prime being paranoid about shit flying around you. Yeah, yeah, times. exactly. That, and that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, so like, of course, everybody's going to be on edge. Yeah. You know, at that period of time, like it's a, it's even like something that's being roughly talked about, but it's not like, you know, it's, it's essentially being prepped for. Yeah, you know, definitely. And like, okay, so once they, once they reported it, they don't try to pursue it any further. Like, they just want to get back to normal. But, obviously, they have, like, emotional issues. Right. Right? So, like, they're constantly having conversations about it, and they, they're they making drives up into the mountains to Trying see if they can, see like, if, jog their memories. Exactly. Right? And then it's but, ten days after the events that Betty starts having a series dreams, of nightmares. Right. right. Dreams. Literally, right. every night, recreating this, yeah. like, these series of events. But, like, they're so reticent to, to, you know, put themselves in the spotlight over it 
that I think when I say they, I mostly mean Barney. I think Betty was pretty cool with it, honestly. Yeah, I mean, she, but like, she seems like she probably would be more open to it, right? Yeah, but they keep up dealing, just dealing with that trauma on their own for for a couple of years. Before, you know what I mean? Like, it's crazy. Or how soon after the after the was it a few months after the incident that they started the hypnotherapy? Uh, it was, was it a couple of years. Nineteen six January of nineteen sixty four, and this happened of September of nineteen sixty one. Right, so a, a couple of few years. They admitted um, in 62 that they were interested in hypnosis. Like, they had right. heard of, like, regress, you know, hypnosis, like, hypnotic regression and stuff like that. Right. But it was, like, kind of a thing that was still new, and yeah. they didn't have anybody to do it. Like, you know, so it was, like, they they were playing, like, basically flirting with that thought. Like, maybe this is something that could help them. But, I mean, yeah. still, that didn't even happen until January uh, 4th or 6th of of 1964. Right. So, like, they deal with this on their own for years before they seek real help. You know what I mean? Right. That's, exactly. Yeah. Like, that tells me that they weren't interested in just Agreed. banking off of the story, manipulating yeah. people into believing some, like, false fabricated thing. Um, yeah. I know there, there's a lot of theories which we'll eventually get into, you know, that discuss like all these possibilities, whatever. But like, to me, I don't see it that way. I they, literally, I mean, every way I've tried to look at it and try to like, kind of like think about like all these extra little things. I just don't see it that way. Like. I mean, you can just come out and say, you think this is, like, genuine extraterrestrial contact? Personally, for the time period, um, the way that the way that things are actually put into place, and, I mean, I know this is obviously one of the very first ones of its kind, so, like, I can't compare, like, other big cases, yeah. like, you know, like, yeah, I mean, like, Hopkins, like, Travis Walton's case, like... Whitley Strieber, like, I mean, some of these, like, bigger names and, you know, whatever. Uh, so I can't really compare those. But, you know, at the yeah. same time, like, you had you had a big focus on, I mean, you know, like, of course, with, like, Barney. Big focus on his genitals, his anus, sure. like, things like that, which is something that, like, since then has became, you know, like, this constant thing. If you're ever abducted, you're going to get anal probed. Like, it's like a jo- right. like a running joke, right? You know? Yeah. Um, like little things like that, that like, I mean, yeah, again, with this being one of the very first, sure. Like, you know, it it could have kind of introduced like some ideas that have stayed a thing, but at the same time, like, I feel like there was enough information and with the actual like hypnosis cases, because again, I know we talk about those a lot and I'm, I'm on the same, you know, I'm in that same kind of, of place there. Like. I feel like in a lot of cases it's it's used as a means of like something more negative as like just yeah. benefiting, you know, the person doing the the doing the sessions, right? Um yeah. than it is more so an actual like you know, bringing about like actual memories that happened. Yeah. Um and I feel like it's very easy to coax people into believing one thing or another as well. But like I don't feel like that was the case here. Is especially yeah, listening to the hypnosis session tapes. 
And I know that we even talked about that briefly earlier. It's yes. like it, it's it's hard to listen to. Yeah. Um, you know, because and we will put those in the episode description. You should definitely oh, yeah, go listen without a to doubt. them. They're just they're like, so extremely, I mean, like emotional throughout the whole yes. thing that I mean, even like a great actor, sure, you can do that, but like it's going to, you know, I feel like that's pushing it, you know. Nobody was acting like that in 1960. <laughs> right. Like <laughs> You know, so like there's just all these little things and to me I just feel like this is legit. Yeah. The thing is, um with the tapes is because the audio is kinda hard to hear. Obviously it's a sixty year old tape recorder. Um Right, for sure. But like the content of what they're saying is not nearly it's not where the impact comes from comes from. The emotion in their voice, the like yeah, the like contour of the like you can hear their voices drop, rise and fall. Like it feels like real emotion. Yeah, you know I, mean, I mean, like there's multiple instances where Barney and Betty both like said like they can't do this. Like they want to wake up. Like yeah. they can't. You know, they can't take these thoughts and these images and blah blah blah. Like you know, like yeah. I feel like the Barney one is is the most impactful, and there's maybe it's just something about hearing like a grown man cry i mean maybe right but like just it's more kind of hard-hitting yeah terrified and sobbing and like it gets it gets very very emotional it just adds to that like authenticity makes it more real yeah and so i i definitely agree with that for sure right on i don't okay so I think that they that they genuinely experience something. Yeah. I do. I definitely do. But I don't I'm personally I'm like I've been moving further and further away from the extraterrestrial hypothesis in general. Okay. Like so I don't I don't necessarily think that what they encountered were some like physical gray aliens from zeta reticuli you know what i mean like yeah so do you think it's more psychotic based then no um i think that something i think that whatever this this thing is whatever this source is of 14 phenomenon so do you you do want to say it is somewhat 14 and not just yes, some yes. mind like you know manipulation or hallucination right no I, okay. I think it's way more than that I think um, there's an idea that's that I've been hearing floated around called co-creation where basically there is a, a source for the 14 phenomenon and your and people interact with it and so the their interactions with this source are sort of articulated in the physical into physical reality. And that's why it's different for different people. That's why, um, you know, generations ago it looked like fairies in the forest and now it looks like aliens in the sky. So yeah, it's that whole concept is, is super interesting. It's something that I'm just like starting to really explore right and if 
if the listeners are, if any of you listeners are into that concept, you should definitely tune into this Friday's fireside chat because I discuss it in super deep detail with um, Vuk from Tracing Owls. Okay. Um, yeah, but we we go super into it. But yeah, I'm all that to say, like I'm. I believe that they experienced something. I don't think that they're lying. Right. I I just I just don't know if it's extraterrestrial. Yeah. No, I mean and and I guess maybe that's more of so more so where I'm at is like they I definitely they had to experience something. Yeah. Like all of that stems from something. It's not just like some weird paranoia or like, you know, whatever else, right? Some but stress reaction. I can't say as to what the experience that was the problem yeah like i mean it seems more so the way that they described everything definitely seems more alien abduction right sure um you know but i i don't know i don't know that i could think of it being really anything else yeah maybe that's where i'm kind of limited in that regard i think it just I don't know. Like I was saying, I feel like the phenomenon takes a lot of different shapes, and I think alien abduction might be one of them. You know, one of those shapes. Okay. Yeah. I um. Okay, so talk to me about this star map. The like Zeta Reticuli and the yeah. whole like that whole kind of star system sort of thing. Yeah, because she builds this star map, right? Yeah, Based so on... she builds it from memory, from what the leader showed her. Because uh, okay. she had asked, like, where you, where are you from? Right. And basically, so they said, you know, they said they showed her this kind of star map, which had, uh, you know, a series of different stars that could all be connected, and then a series of stars that kind of formed like this triangular shape. Right. And this area that was known as Zeta Reticuli, um, which is a wide binary star system in the southern constellation of Reticulum. Okay. So Reticulum being this constellation, right? Yeah. So basically it's said that from the southern hemisphere of the pair, uh, the southern hemisphere, so kind of as you're looking, so I'm, I'm trying to kind of, it, it's, it's very, yeah. yeah, it's very like dense and just, vague at the same time uh so yeah. from the southern hemisphere uh the pair the star system can be seen with the naked eye as a double star in very dark skies so okay. it's like everything has to align perfectly yeah for us to <laughs> right see exactly the naked eye. so but based basically based upon parallax measurements the system is located at a distance of about 39.3 or roughly about 40 light years or 12 parsecs from Earth. I love when things are measured in parsecs. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so both stars are solar analogs that have characteristics similar to those of the sun. So the way that okay. they so the way that they put this is like you have Sol, which is essentially the sun, right? And then yep. you have Um, so kind of looking into it, as you have Sol like one, two, three, four, whatever. And, like, sure. the number after it is how many planets away from the sun it is. Yeah. So, like, us and our star system is what? We're, like, Sol 3? Sol 3. Exactly. Yeah. Um. 
So, yeah, so, you know, and it, it's basically all measured like that. Um, so, basically, both stars, uh, solar analogs that have characteristics, yeah, characteristics of the sun, and they belong to the Zeta Hercules, the Hercules moving group of stars that share a, basically like a common origin. So, like, yeah. I guess to put it simply, it's an, it's, this constellation of stars that have several different suns and, you know, planets that can possibly hold forms life. of life. Exactly. Uh-huh. Similar to Earth. Okay. And that's where it's said, though, that this group of aliens or whatever else uh, originated from. Right. Now, of course... Zeta Reticuli is used in a series of different things, especially when it comes into when it comes to fiction, yeah, um, science fiction, right? It being used as a you know as as an area because it is this you know unknown area, yeah. Being forty light years away from Earth and things like that, it's used in the alien like aliens movies and stuff like that. Sure, um, you know. So yeah, I mean, it's something obviously we can't quite just go go out there and traverse and you check know yeah. right you know check on our neighbors but yeah. um you know that's that's essentially where they they've said to have came from um, it's, um so w- one of the really weird things is she draws this map right and right. it's not until a few years later when and i always remember her name because her name i think is super cool her name's marjorie fish right the um, teacher right yeah, she's like an amateur astronomer and science right. teacher. She gets a hold of this map that that Betty created and starts comparing it to star charts. Mm-hmm. And the this system that you just described actually wasn't even discovered until a few years after Betty drew this map. Like, we didn't even know it existed at the right. time that she drew the map. Which is yeah. pretty damn cool. Exactly, and I and, mean... I think that that also bears to note that she was able to recreate this and, and it's not it's not 100% the exact accurate. same. Right, yeah, yeah. It's not not 100% accurate, but it is extremely similar. Yeah. That's and like a lot of people point to that like see it's aliens. You know what I mean? But like yeah. to me that's just further proof that like that's like the universe doing some magical shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, because it's not just Earth, right? Yeah. If, if it is this, like, big Fortean force, whatever it is, it's not just Earth. So, like, I don't know. It's so mysterious. Whatever it is, the fact that she was able to come up with that before anyone knew about it. And I'm assuming you're you're going more ultra-terrestrial in this case. To, I mean, sort like, of. to a degree, sort of, right? Yeah. So, yeah. where I question that is, do you buy other planets as essentially other dimensions, other no. constellations, star systems, or whatever else, as or like coinciding? No. You know, like no. When I when I think of ultra terrestrial, I think of something that comes from that comes from a place that does not exist on our material plane. Right. Like, and I don't think another star system, just because it's really far away, is on a different material plane. Okay. Right? 
Like, yeah, I. Well, that's. So, I guess that's why. That's why I question whether you know, like, why you don't buy into like Alien. You know. Sure. I mean, they case. might be. See, that's the thing is, I'm so wildly undecided. I don't. I don't have any fully formed opinions about any of it. Right. Um, because, as far as I know, for sure, these little gray extraterrestrials could have, like, slipped through a wormhole and popped up near Earth and came down and fucked with Betty and Barney Hill for an evening. You know what I mean? That definitely could have happened. Yeah, exactly. I'm not going to say it's impossible. None of it's impossible, mm-hmm. right? So, it's... I mean, and to say one thing is more likely than the other is not really what I mean either. What I mean is, like, this idea of co-creation, it it makes sense to me today. You know what I mean? This idea of, like, that these events are human beings' psyche interacting with this unknown force. Okay. Like, that idea makes sense to me right now. Um, And I like it. I think it's cool. It's, like, mystical and there's, like... It makes me feel like there's a little magic in the world. You know what I mean? And I like that. Maybe. I, I like that idea a lot. That idea, that idea appe- appeals to me a lot more than extraterrestrials. But at the same time, they could also be one and the same. Sure. Sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of what I'm saying. <laughs> right. I don't know. It's a lot. I, I mean, it's yeah, no, I, I understand. But I also see it as like anything with it's not from, let's say, Earth, right? Yeah. Even when it comes multidimensional, whatever else is always going to be. It might as well all be the same. Some form of alien. Right. Because it's so unreachable. Yeah. So, but this being within our same like I don't know, hmm. like galaxy cluster or whatever. Right. It just it just like I question what else it could be if not like extraterrestrial. Right. I don't. I don't know. And excuse my lack of knowledge because I, I always loved aliens, but I always fucking hated astronomy. Like, I would get so bored. I mean, that's fair, for sure. I'm not sure about all the terminology or whatever. But, like, I don't know. Okay, so here's the thing. Here's why I lean away from extraterrestrial in this one. Because it's a perfect example of that thing I always bring up, which is when people describe interstellar craft with this antiquated bullshit on it. Right. Same as, like, same as the, the one I always bring up, um... The one in Texas, where they found like a fucking paper notebook. Oh yeah, the Aurora the one. Cockpit. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. Aurora. Like when Barney Hill on that tape talks about seeing beings through the a series window. of large rectangular windows. Right. I'd, I'm just out. Why? I'm out, like, man. what? Who's to say that they, like, they didn't design it that way as well? Because you're not traversing the universe with, like, double-pane glass on the side of your ship. Yeah, but I'm sure that's, like, it's going to be, like, some weird, like, extreme, like, hard form of, like, crystal or whatever, you know, that's, like, can withstand, you know, for what extreme purpose? pressures and all the other random stuff. Like, 
Like, I'm, if you can, I understand that, but like, what purpose would that serve? Because if you can, if you can communicate telepathically, why do you need to wave at somebody? So you can see out the window, at least see everything that's in front of you. No, I'm not buying it. That's fair. <laughs> it just, it feels so, it feels so much like, um, like Barney's mind is helping create that. That's basically that like image. saying you on a car, I mean? you don't need a windshield as long as you can depend on your GPS. I mean, eventually cars will have sensors so strong that you won't need a windshield and it will just drive itself and it will know everything that you it's know how stupid it. that would be. No, that would be excellent. No. Yeah. You are you telling me you'd rather look at the at the sidewalks of yeah East Central Indiana than like watch that episode of the Black Mirror you didn't get to watch yet while you're on. The I can way still somewhere. do that. I can do both. Not at the same time. I mean, <laughs> if I want to be an unsafe <laughs> driver, I can. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, eventually tech will get to the point where that shit is unnecessary. Well, I mean, we already have self-driving cars and all that stuff. Like, yeah, that's already a thing of right. the present, you know. And but when I'm, that gets better, and as that gets better and better, I don't think yeah, it will ever not be like any type of, of window or I, something to like. I mean, if you want to travel at thousands of miles an hour, you're not gonna you're not gonna have a window. Maybe you're just you're not gonna have glass. You know what I mean? Like you may have cameras mounted on the exterior so you can see, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like same way you have a backup cam. Yeah. Now, of course. Like, yeah. Okay. I mean, maybe and that may may very well be thing and you know a thing, but also yeah. like at this time period. Yeah, I mean, even like being like ten thousand years ahead of us or whatever else, like however you know, however we want to consider, maybe they were still rocking the old windshield. I don't think so, man. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but that's like the thing that turns me off of immediately. Because, okay. and and not even like turn me off. I don't think it makes the story worse. I think it makes it less likely that like this is a completely separate entity that just stumbled upon these two. I think yeah, things like that are a sign that the experiencer is helping create that event. You know what I mean? Like, Do you think they were initially targeted beforehand then? Maybe. Okay. Maybe. Um, but I think like the, the perception of the experiencer helps build the the actual experience i mean of course yeah the same way that like hundreds of years ago when people saw you know air quotes ufos they looked like giant wooden ships in the sky Mm -hmm. yeah they were essentially zeppelins right because their their perception they have to be able to perceive it so like in order for that phenomenon to be communicated to the person it has to draw off their psyche Right, yeah, and which I mean, we've we kind of dove pretty deep into, and I don't remember what episode it was, but talking about that we talked about tulpas and stuff might have been in that, yeah, but yeah, basically talking about like in like Nazi Germany, you had alien ships that were going around and they looked like blimps, you know, which was like right before like they even developed that form of technology. I think that was in the episode where we talked about the aerial school. 
It might have been aerial school, yeah. Because we also yeah, talked about the other the other incident that occurred. But yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, and then you also have these people looking like soldiers at the time. Yeah. Instead yeah. of aliens, because that was the best way to display it and allow people yeah. to be able to perceive it, right? Yep. I mean... So um, why, why not Barney, this? This yeah, particular definitely. case. Right. Barney Hill actually talks about him, that about them looking like they're wearing Nazi... A Nazi uniform, and he yeah, fought I mean, in World War Two. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like that's so you could definitely see someone who's been through that, who fought in World War Two, who went and like battled the fucking Nazis with the best of them. He, you know, when he's in a situation where his mind has to wrap itself around something so monumental and terrifying, he he might see a Nazi. Yeah, you know what I, I mean. I, yeah, like, no, I I buy that for sure. Yeah. And again, maybe that's why they see this craft as the way that they see it. Yeah. Because otherwise it's going to seem too otherworldly and not right. like they something not that they can... be able to perceive it. Right, exactly. Yeah. So I think that's just as good of an excuse as any. Yeah. I like it. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we're on the same page. Okay. I'm not even sure what the hell the page is, but we're on <laughs> Right, it. I know. I know. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh it's definitely it's it's different, you know, and obviously I mean this this is just one of the first of you know, like one of the first of many. Oh, but yeah. almost sets the standard for abduction cases thereafter. Yep, and not just in description, experiencers will be compared against how respectable Betty and Barney Hill right. were. Like for generation for yeah. yeah. For like the next sixty years, they're still doing it. Like because they I mean, you said it, they set the standard. They absolutely mm-hmm. did. And you have Barney that could barely keep his eyes open and didn't want to have anything, you know, like whatever. Yep. And you've got Betty that's having a damn like conversation with the leader. Yeah, like it gets real friendly and, toward the end. Yeah, and like it also came across something where like they had asked her like, "Where are you on this map?" And she couldn't point point out where they were. You know. Yeah. Because obviously it was far, you know, beyond where. Yeah. Which that like makes it a little bit harder to believe. Sure. Just because, like, you would think, like, yeah, we know, we know where you're at. Like, we know, like, yeah, yeah we just be, like, came here. Let me zoom out a little bit, like, a couple, like, you know, right. forty light years away. Right. It's like someone walking into a restaurant and going, "Where am I?" Right. Exactly. Like you just got here. <laughs> How'd you get here? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, another thing that that swings me that way toward you know this all being the same thing is like, or at least this is an interesting an interesting similarity that I noticed and it happens a lot in abduction cases it's something that also is very common in old fairy lore which is the moment when she tries to take a souvenir the book oh, right right and they won't let her leave with it yeah right? so like gifting and um, this this thing where the the experiencer tries to, to take something with them and they're stopped they're like prevented from taking it that's something that happens over and over and over again in fairy stories or they like want to take something back with them from the like the fae realm or whatever wherever they are and they're prevented from leaving with it because it in fae lore at least 
taking some, bringing something back with you would like create a permanent access point. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. Like, and allow them to come back and forth. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but just an interesting comparison. I think also with this being one of the quote unquote first of its kind and them deciding like, yeah, do we want people to remember this? Like, is this, you know, do we want to be this like known as whatever? Yeah. Or do we want people to think these guys are crazy? <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm sure it's going to be the latter. So, yeah, it could be. I don't, I like this one too because it's so, it's been debated for so long by so many people. Yeah. And there's no answer. You know what I mean? Right. Right. That's, that's where I was talking earlier about like theories because a lot of them are based around like deception. Like them yeah. literally just creating this story as a means of just messing with people. Yeah. Literally no gain, no anything to get out of it, just to mess with people. Yeah, that trickster element. Right. Or yeah. being um being psychotic. Um you know, mean like, Betty and Barney being psychotic? Right. So like basically I mean you know, being something that, uh, like, one person kind of experiences. Um, just, like, a mental health issue. Whether it be psychosis, yeah. delusions, hallucinations, whatever else. Um, you know, so, like we had talked about earlier, Betty was very, like, strong-willed. And Barney was gullible, highly suggestible, and things like that, right? So, like, it could be very easy to, like, sway, you know, one person another way. He was um, also wildly in love with her. Exactly. So, you know, but I mean, obviously they shared a very similar story, but at the same time, like Betty was also very like, as she was going through that period of time where she was telling, you know, she had those dreams and stuff, like she was being very verbal about it, like very like vocal. Yeah, she discussed it a lot. Um, There's also the shared, you know, like a shared psychotic disorder where one person basically experiences psychosis of some form. And another person essentially adopts it. Fully a do. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, like, that could possibly be, you know, a scenario here. Yeah, it could be. Uh, Although, she went on to lead a pretty normal life. Like, she did. Right. I mean, even after their, their hypnosis sessions, they both basically went back yeah, they to felt feeling better. much better, much, like, less, like you know, on edge and just more at ease and at peace with everything. Right. And even with, um, even with his, even with Barney's health going downhill, which unfortunately it did pretty quickly after all this, um, even with that, he was still known for like regularly working with the NAACP and doing like volunteer work. And they went back to a pretty normal life. Yeah. Um, once he passed, she kind of did the, the ufology circuit for a long time. Yeah, like I mean, her life got decidedly got hev- less heavily normal. into it, right? Yeah, yeah. But um, that and that's one of the reasons why I think like she was she was into it. I I think, but she was like respectful of his wishes while he was alive. You know what I mean? I think she like stayed back from it because yeah. he wasn't. I mean, that's that's that possible. Life. But that also his personality style, like and you know, being their relationship and everything, like you know, like. A lot of people will argue with that, and it's at that, the like same she time, was calling the shots. 
Right, and that like he basically just bought into everything she said. Yeah. And like she basically I mean, I said like this happened and he's like, Yeah, sure. It happened. I mean, I've definitely I have definitely agreed to some dumb shit because my wife wanted it. <laughs> <laughs> I have I can we say all that know. for sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, right. Yeah. So like you take that to the to the nth degree and maybe yeah. you know, maybe that's a possibility. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's not like I'm not dismissing any of that, but at the same time, like I don't quite feel that that was the case. And yeah, I mean, me there's neither. A lot of similar types of like arguments, and the fact that like since they were in in and in, like interracial couple, like you know Barney's like anxiety and paranoia and stuff, like he always felt like everybody was out to get him and all this other stuff. So like that aided in and he was very already gullible enough like so yeah i mean there's a lot of these things that like you can say and essentially just chalk it up to that if you want yeah but i mean let's be bold here you know sure let's be bold exactly yeah i mean i honestly don't i don't think it's a simple explanation i don't i don't think there's anything simple about this mm -hmm. case like you said I i mean that's like you wrote like a 20 minute story and when you were done you were like this is I mean like it a felt like broad of what strokes, I... right? Yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah. Like we were saying before we started like this story deserves like an hour at mm. least just to tell it, you know, chronologically, not even to dig into just to do it proper, to come, you know, like Yeah. It's Yeah, it's it I mean there's just so much information and so many like what ifs or you know, this this happened, but this also happened, and these other people like experienced this, and so like it was already this mindset that these you know they were in, and like you know like getting into like yeah. Betty's sister that that whole yep. situation, um, yeah. You know, so like yeah, there was already kind of this mindset that was a thing, um, you know, and this is also a time period where UFOs are like very new still. I mean, they're not like completely new they've been going on for what like almost 20 years it's a bit of a craze at that time exactly right yeah and there's been there's a lot of sightings people claiming to see these different things experiencing these different things so like it'd be really easy to jump on that bandwagon and just want to see things you see something that's moving around in the sky that could literally just be a you know firefly just off in the distance who knows like whatever yeah and immediately that's the ufo like you know, because yep. you want it to be. Yeah. So like, I mean, this is. Sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say. So those arguments can definitely be made. Yeah, and I understand like that side, but at the same time, just there's so much information, and off of all the hypnosis, like the studies that were done and the sessions and everything, like that's what really sways me in that direction. Me too. I think it's really hard to not. To not believe the the hypnosis experiences, I and I know that hypnosis, even aside from the hucksters and all that, is is a dubious you know art. Right. Oh yeah. We'll for call sure. it an art rather than a science. But like, it's there. It's so hard not to believe them. Like that they experience something that they're reliving something that happened. You yeah. know what I mean? Um. But yeah, as far as UFO sightings in this time period, like this is like four years after Sputnik. Like yeah. it's this is like everyone during this time is looking up and dreaming about space and 
you know what I mean? What's going to happen over the next couple decades. Right. I mean, this is just like right before the big space. Well, I mean, this is like in the midst yeah, of the big the space, space race. race. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So like there's that going on too, you know, and it's yep. just this constant thing like and just drive and people like it's always on people's minds. So, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, this for the first time. The idea of space travel is like at the forefront of the zeitgeist. Like everyone, everyone's talking about it. Yeah. So for sure. Yeah, there are, and there. This is also shortly after a lot of like weird humanoid sightings, like Hopkinsville goblins. Yeah. Like in the fifties um, and the Loveland Frogman. Like all these weird, like s- like small humanoid mm-hmm. creatures that that you know. I think. A lot of people associate that with ETs, right? You personally, you think the Kentucky Goblins were definitely... I do. They came believe, from a ship, right? Yeah, I believe they were they were aliens, and I think they eventually settled in, you know, in the cave systems. Um, I don't think they came from them, but... Sure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this is there's definitely a lot going on in this span of, like, a decade from, like the early 50s to the early 60s there's yeah. a ton that happens oh yeah. But, yeah I mean they're literally in the high point of it all at that point you know yeah yeah Which imagine being awesome. like <laughs> right imagine being getting to be a part of the like you know those dudes like Jay Allen Hynek and and Stanton Friedman and those dudes that were like out there oh, without a doubt doing the damn yeah. thing in the 50s and 60s mm-hmm. like by the way, Stan, if you really want to get like every detail, you know how we were talking about how this story deserves like a lot more time. Yeah. If you want to get every detail, there's a video floating around somewhere. I found it a couple months ago, but I wasn't able to find it this week. But there's a video of Stanton Friedman and some woman doing a like PowerPoint presentation on this case. And it's like two and a half hours. I was going to say, yeah, I, I'm yeah. not surprised. <laughs> it's it's wild. Yeah. And they're so it's so funny because Stanton Friedman is so up his own ass. Like it it's hilarious. I mean, you kind of had to at that point. You yeah. Know? But people are like, I don't know, because I guess people made this comment that um, that people were spreading the rumor, at least for a while, that um that the hypnosis the hypnosis tapes were like that sounded like Betty and, was well yeah. that it sounded like Betty was because it was before they had been released fully to the public um but people were saying that Betty Betty's hypnosis recordings sounded like she was recounting a trip to the grocery store and like and they play it in this thing yeah. and the woman they just keep going back to like oh does that sound like a trip to the grocery store like they do that like 15 times throughout the video a lot of cheerios <laughs> exactly yeah but no like <laughs> definitely check i'll try and find it and get it in the in the show awesome. note but like yeah it's it's really good it's of course it's stan friedman so he like goes way deeper Super than anyone right. needs yeah. to of course um I mean, but something yeah. like this, like, yeah, that's, that's the way to do it. You know, again, yeah. I wanted to do this as, like, you know, our final 50-second episode, like, year mark, um, yeah. just because it's a big traditional case that everybody knows about. I mean, come yeah. on, like, if you don't know about this case, then hopefully we got you, to, you got to learn some new stuff today, but still. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, of course. So one thing I'd like to do, I'd like to end this episode by discussing what we feel the book was that the leader had given to Betty. Okay. Random, just random discussion. Yeah. Short and sweet. But what do you feel that book was? That's... You know what's weird is I hadn't even thought about it. Really? That was one of my immediate thoughts. (laughs) That's why I was curious. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's really interesting because I hadn't really considered what it might have been. Just to start us off. I mean, this could literally be a... Like... I mean, this could be like some form of like genealogy book on different races and uh, like classifications of species and whatever, like different star star peoples and things like that, right? Yeah. It could be a map to the end of time. Okay. Or the beginning, of, from the beginning of time. Like it could be literally like a start and end point of existence. Yeah. It could be a... It could be a detailed history of their people's interactions with mankind. That very well could be it, too. That sounds fun. That would be that would be a really cool one, actually. Yeah. Okay. I like that. I like that. Because, I mean, the thing... The, the information that we have to go by is basically it's a series of circles, lines, random symbols... An odd text. Like in the pages or on the cover? In the pages. See, that's another thing. Damn it. Another paper book? Correct. That's but so weird. Maybe it wasn't paper. Yeah, it was maybe. never explained as to what it was, but there there yeah. were pages. It was a book. Maybe she was like swiping a an iPad. Exactly. Yeah, I it's mean this could page. be something extremely right. futuristic. It could be something that's literally like he gave her a thought. Yeah. And she can visu- like visually see like these things, right? Right. Let's think outside the box. Okay. Um maybe it was like a scrapbook of pictures for of that guy from high school. Okay. Just like doing the hang ten outside the lunchroom with his alien bros. What about an abduction survival guy? Oh, shit. What to expect if you're abducted. <laughs> what to expect if you're expecting aliens. <laughs> abduction. <laughs> How to make the most of your abduction. Exactly. So you've been abducted. What's next? <laughs> oh, I like that one. <laughs> Those are probably my favorite ones. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh. That one's really good. Maybe it's like every Disney story that's ever existed. But aliens. Interesting. Maybe it was just like a a a novelization of the movie Top Gun. That's it. (laughs) I would I would read that. (laughs) Top Gun was freaking fantastic 
Uh, imagine getting that in 1961. Your mind would be blown. Oh, man. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> they just, yeah. Oh, dude. I don't know. Maybe it was like a maybe it was like blueprints for um, for a machine that makes that turns like um, that like desalinizes ocean water. Blueprints you know for I mean? a time machine. I mean, a means of way a, a way a means of exploring anything. Time. I mean, what's cooler, Ryan? Time travel or clean water for everyone? Time travel, bud. <laughs> I'll, right. I'll travel back a couple hundred years when the water's nice and clean. I'll get a few bottles. I'll go forward again. <laughs> well, that's good for you. <laughs> you know, I mean. But I'll, I'll have learned know. things. I'll have known. This is what we need to do. Then I can go back and fix that. I think it might be Top Gun. Or Top Gun. Yeah. I'm going. I'm. I'm going with Top Gun. Could literally be an alien version of Everybody Poops. Yeah, it could be. Mm-hmm. That's even probably you. important <laughs> to teach even your alien babies. Exactly. Yeah. No, I was just curious. I yeah. I, I had wondered, like what, what, uh, yeah, what, what they could have possibly been, because they wouldn't no, honestly let her take it. But yeah. there was something there, obviously. Honestly, I guess I always kind of assumed it was a map. Okay. That's I fair. think I did. I think that's what I was assuming before. But you're right. It could have been anything. It could have been Top Gun. It could have been literally like one of those old like road atlases. An atlas to the stars sort of thing. What if it's like an atlas obscura but for the universe? Yeah. Like where's all the weird that would shit be in the awesome. universe? Yeah, right. I, w- I want one of those. Yeah, I'd take one of those. Cool. Maybe they're like selling them on Etsy. The <laughs> Someone is. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that uh, wraps up episode 52, The Hill Abduction. Thank you, thank you, thank you. From the bottom of our weird, possibly alien, maybe ghostly, probably cryptid hearts for listening. We absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild creatures and events every week, and it's your continued attention that allows us to carry on. And if you want more, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash campfire tales of the strange and unsettling. It's there you will find bonus content behind the scenes or just keeping up on our day to day and maybe some swag along the way. It is our way to show thanks for your support and do everything we can to provide you with as much content as possible. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash campfire tales of the strange and unsettling. With that said, we want to get to know each and every one of you. So please come and check us out on all the socials at campfire.tales.podcast on Instagram and Facebook at campfire T-O-T-S-A-U on Twitter and you can also visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com. If you love the show, please rate and review it. It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling. And lastly, we do have our merch store. You can find the link available on all of our social media or via our link tree. Show your support. Buy a shirt. Buy a sticker. 
buy a blanket, buy a pillow, anything that you want to rep Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. And a special thanks to Greg Martin at Reverent Music on Instagram. The brilliant mind behind the gorgeous music that you hear each week behind the debrief. So go find him at reverentmusic.bandcamp.com or you can visit his Spotify page by searching Reverent, R-E-V-E-R-E-N-T. All of these links can be found in the episode description. Go and support him. You both deserve it. And that's it. Until next time, I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And remember, campers, stay weird and trust in the unknown.